0: This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're pushing our way into episode number 55. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Let's talk about pushing. And of course, as you can probably guess, we're going to talk about pushing your baby out. This is one of the things that I get the most questions on is what about the pushing stage? What do I do if I feel overwhelmed during the pushing stage? Or what am I supposed to do during the pushing stage? And I, I think that a lot of us here are A lot of women say, oh, when I got to the pushing stage, I was so relieved because I could finally do something and it was wonderful. Uh, And that is the experience for a lot of women. It wasn't my experience with my first three babies because for those babies, pushing felt kind of overwhelming to me. I felt kind of out of control and exhausted and not sure what to do. And then with my last three babies... Pushing wasn't a relief for me because it was just something that happened. My body just did it all. And I can, so I can totally understand where you're coming from if you feel like pushing was overwhelming or if you're a little bit worried about pushing or if you, you know, if pushing was overwhelming or you felt out of control Or it was hard to do in the past. Or if you had tearing or you're worried about tearing. You may be really worried about the pushing stage. And there's not so much information out there about the pushing stage. Or you may have heard a bunch of different suggestions. And I wanted to just cover all of those different things. And talk about pushing. I wanted to start by talking about my experiences of pushing for my six. In a little bit more detail. So with Cassidy... I I you know I labored throughout the night and I, I would say that everything went pretty smoothly and pretty routinely for a first time mama and I was I was pretty much ready to start pushing at about 10 a.m and my labor active labor with her had started in earnest you know probably around midnight or shortly thereafter uh, the night before so I had been in active labor for about 12 hours which is pretty normal for a first-time mama and so I started pushing in a semi-squat position in the bed and she just really wasn't moving down a lot I do remember that they showed me her head in a mirror at one point and I think maybe they encouraged me to feel her head I don't remember if I did or not. I should probably go back and read her birth story in case I mentioned it there. Uh, But I do know that my midwife suggested that I stand up at some point. And I, I didn't want to because I was already feeling really overwhelmed and really scared. And I thought that I couldn't do it. And I was afraid of the pain. And when I said I thought that I couldn't do it, I actually said to my midwife at one point, I don't think I can do this. And she just looked at me and said, Kristen, you are doing it. And that that made a world of difference for me just from an encouragement standpoint. But anyways, probably about two hours after <laughs> I started pushing, my midwife again suggested, Kristen, maybe you can stand up and that will help her come down. And by that I really just wanted my baby out and so I said okay so they my my midwife and everybody helped me stand up um and Cassidy just literally pretty much flew out at that point. She she just came right on down, just like my midwife thought would happen. She just needed a shift in position or something just to help her rotate and get down through my pelvis. Um, so she was out, and it was tiring for me. And I just my impression of the pushing phase was that it was really overwhelming. With my second baby, Asher. I again ended up pushing kind of in that semi squat position and that's actually the position that he was born in and I was as I was pushing him or I felt kind of pushy but he wasn't really coming down and my midwife wasn't sure what was going on that time she didn't she didn't suggest I stand up so I don't know maybe she just had a feeling but she decided to check me which I remember being excruciating and she when she reached up she could feel Asher's head but she also felt his hand by his face and when she touched his hand like when she touched his fingertips he pulled his hand away and then he he was born just within a few minutes. I would say that my pushing stage with him probably lasted about 20 minutes as opposed to the two hours with Cassidy but it still felt really really super overwhelming and I just was really you know I felt really tired and I, I was really super achy after both of those births um, and so when when Brennan came we decided to have a water birth and I felt much more empowered throughout the entire birth process with him though Cassidy and Asher's births were both beautiful and taught me a lot. Especially, well, Cassidy's birth taught me so much because it taught me that I could do it. But Asher's birth taught me to rely on myself to a large degree. Um, And then Brandon's birth was just, again, it, it was really a rather independent birth. Because I was just kind of laboring myself, leaning on counters and things until I got in the tub. And then the tub kind of encourages that independent space. Unless you have a birth partner in the tub with you, which I did not. Uh, But then my midwife was at the side of the tub, and a lot of Brennan's uh, birth where I was in the tub was spent holding her hands, looking at her, just in her eyes. She was really right there for me a lot. And I remember Brennan's water breaking. I felt that really, really... Consciously, and I kind of looked surprised, and uh, and I Charlie asked me had my water broken. That was my midwife Charlie, and I said that it had, and so then shortly after that, I kind of ended up again in kind of a reclining semi squat to birth Brennan, and he felt kind of like he didn't want to come down, and so I. Eventually he worked his way down and again it wasn't a really long pushing phase it was probably again about 20 minutes but I came away from that with this feeling that again pushing was really overwhelming and that maybe there was something going on and that my babies didn't want to come down. Now I think the fact that I adopted that kind of semi-reclining position, semi-squat, probably had more to do with it than my baby's. And Asher's little nuchal hand may have had something to do with it. But I think that Charlie was wise with Cassidy, my first baby, and recommending that I stand up. Because I think that she sensed that the position was was kind of not helping Cassidy at all. Um, And... I mention this because many mamas, even home birth mamas, end up in that semi-reclining squat and it's really not very, doesn't facilitate a baby coming down through the pelvis and being born. So that's something to consider if you're worried about pushing or if you had an experience similar to mine where it felt long or where you felt like, well, why don't my babies come down right or my babies just get hung up. So that's why I share that. Now, my pushing phase with my last three babies has been very different than the pushing phase with uh, with my first three. And I, I also want to say that with Cassidy, I felt what was considered the ring of fire very strongly, though I had no tearing whatsoever. I just felt that experience. And then I don't really remember feeling it with uh, Asher or Brennan or Galen, but I experienced it again with Honor, which I will share. And okay, so let's talk about Galen. So with Galen, and I've talked about I've shared his birth story in another podcast, which I can link to so that you can hear all of everything that went on with that. But essentially, my midwife didn't make it for the birth and I was kind of uh, doubtful that I was as far along as I was she had been there and she had checked me I was at three centimeters and then she had left and Galen was born two hours later so two hours later or maybe one one hour and 55 minutes later I didn't really think that I could possibly be so far along when I had only been at three centimeters a little while ago But my body was definitely ready and I had gotten to the point where I said I don't care this feels really intense I want to get in the tub I I don't care if it slows it down because sometimes getting in the tub too early can slow a birthing down so I'd gotten in the tub and I had just gotten in the tub and had maybe one or two contractions when I felt my water break and I knew that was what was happening and i was kind of in i was in a very upright position in the tub it's what we call runner's pose when we when we talk about it for birthing it's with one knee down and then your other foot is standing up so that your your one knee is up and it's kind of like a runner in the blocks though not quite so exaggerated but that's why it's called runner's pose and so that's the position that I was in, which is a it's a good position for birthing, and it's well suited to water birthing because the, the tub, the edge of the tub, you can lean on that for support, and the water helps to support you, but it also gives a lot of mobility to your pelvis, and it's a very upright position, so the baby's able to navigate down and through, and you're able to kind of spiral your hips, and And lift your body up and lower your body down to work with your baby uh, on a more instinctive level perhaps. And I had not studied that position before Galen's birth. It's just the position that I ended up in because Scott was outside the tub and there wasn't anybody else there to give any instructions or anything. And so that's just how I was. And my body started to push down. I had the contraction where my water broke. My body started bearing down with the next contraction and Galen was born. It just did everything all by itself. I had that one check early where I was three centimeters, but no more checks, no nothing. I mean, Galen just literally shot out he probably bounced off the bottom of the birth tub he was just born and he was a pretty good sized baby at eight pounds three ounces my body just did what it needed to do to birth him with honor the situation was pretty similar Uh, she was a bigger baby eight pounds 12 ounces and so she didn't shoot out all at once but my water broke and then my body started bearing down and there was just no stopping her and with her I did feel the ring of fire I felt her head come and I I screamed her head out. And then I just took a minute to kind of catch my breath because that contraction stopped and she stopped and then with the next contraction her shoulders were born which is also that's very normal because the shoulders have to rotate and get into position 2 and then the rest of her body just came out which is also very typical once you get the head out and then the shoulders out the body usually comes right out but again my body was doing all the pushing i mean i was feeling it and i i had to bear down with it i couldn't stop But my body was most definitely taking the lead. And there was none of that hang-up feeling that I experienced with my first three. And it didn't really feel overwhelming in the same sense either. And then Corwin's birth was a really lovely birth. But especially the pushing stage was lovely. And I remembered that I hadn't been real pleased that I had screamed Honor's head out. I just... That's... I'm not ashamed of it, and I don't think that any woman should be ashamed of it, but it just wasn't the way that I wanted my pushing phase to be because I guess there was that element of feeling out of control, which I've heard a lot of women echo, and I didn't like that. So before Corwin's birth, I did a lot of preparation. I used the internal work from the pink kit, and I also worked through the Babies Home Study course because believe it or not, even though I was teaching my own childbirth classes by that point, I I just I wanted to do something for me that was just focused on me and my baby and HypnoBabies is what I picked. So both of those but both of those courses are skills-based courses and both of them talk about uh just learning to relax and soften and the Pink Kit especially focuses on softening the pelvis but they both have keywords for the Pink Kit it is soften and for um for HypnoBabies it's peace. And so I just practiced those cue words a lot. Even in the bathroom, when I was going to the bathroom, you know, I would say soften and peace and just feel the muscles in my pelvis really let go and really loosen. And I share this because that I think that was part of my developing awareness, acute awareness of that area of my body and how I could control tension and relaxation to a large degree. And when Corwin was born, I I mean, I really, I could feel that my body was going to start pushing him out. I wasn't quite sure if he was going to start coming down or not. With Galen and Honor both, I had reached up and felt their little heads just before I started pushing, which is a feeling that I treasure today. Uh, that memory on my fingertips and I'd wanted to do that with Corwin and I thought to myself when the contraction ends I'll check but my body started pushing down I mean I never had the chance to he was being born and while he was being born I mean I was mentally saying to myself soften and peace that was going through my mind and I also remember thinking you know is his head gonna stop or is his body gonna come out and it kind of felt like the contraction that never ends but not in a bad way that just it seemed to kind of stop for a minute and then my body decided okay well we'll just keep pushing and get this kid out and so he was born but I was just so focused on relaxing that I nobody in the room and Scott was in the room our three oldest kids were in the room Cassidy Asher and Brennan my midwife uh, and, the, and then the other midwife in our practice were both there or all of them were there so you know that was all those extra people in the room six extra people and nobody realized that Corwin had been born until I said to Scott, help me with the baby. And then everybody everybody knew. In fact, you can see on the video, because of where the video camera was positioned, you can see Kathy standing just watching me from a few feet away. That was my head midwife uh, next to my son, Asher. And you can see when I said baby, she jumps a little bit and comes over to the side of the tub, which is one of my favorite Memories, I didn't see it at the time, but saw it in the video. It's one of my favorite memories of Corwin's birth. But it was just, it was very peaceful, for lack of another word. And definitely what I would term my best pushing experience. Um, and I, so I wanted to share my experiences because they they kind of give a wide range. Never have really felt that, oh, I'm so relieved to be pushing feeling. But it does give a range of the types of emotions and experiences that you can have with pushing. And I also want to note that I, I haven't torn with any of my babies. And I think one of the reasons for that is really good nutrition. And in fact, I might say that is more. And And another thing is I also mentioned that I felt really sore after birthing Cassidy and Asher and I didn't feel that after any of the other babies and I think that the reason for that might be water birthing as opposed to anything that I changed so I think that the birthing environment aka water birthing and I think that nutrition makes a big difference in some of those factors but of course pushing can make a difference too all right, so let's move on from me and talk a little bit about pushing itself. So what, first of all, what's directed pushing? That's kind of the default pushing. That's the standard. Usually it's based on the Valsalva maneuver, which is something you may not have heard of this, but it is it is essentially the technique that goes with directed pushing. And if you've watched any Hollywood movies or if you've watched uh, shows like Baby Story or Maternity Ward or any of those type of shows on television where the nurses are instructing the mom to put her chin to her chest and hold her breath and push to the count of 10 or whatever. That is that is the Valsalva technique and that is directed pushing where literally somebody else is directing you. Often they've said, you're 10 centimeters, it's time to push. To start with, It's important to understand that (laughs) holding your breath like that and bulging like that is a bad idea because it could cause tears. It could increase distress for the baby. Usually you're already in a position, a.k.a. kind of flat on your back, where oxygen is not optimal for the baby, which is another thing to consider when you consider a birthing position. But it's just very forced, and that's the kind of thing that ruptures blood vessels if you've heard horror stories about blood vessels or things rupturing while women are pushing, that that's what's doing it. I don't recommend directed pushing. Now there is there are times where perhaps especially a first time mom, you're not exactly sure how to push and your midwife might or your doctor might place a hand on your perineum, um, which is the tissue, right right behind the birth canal or right over the birth canal. And they might say, you know, push here to help you understand how to push. Um, but really... If you listen to the last podcast I did, which is on why uh, birth classes are worth it, childbirth classes are worth it, I went off on a little tangent for a minute where I explained that the uterus during labor, not only does the cervix dilate, but the uterus, the top portion of the uterus actually retracts and becomes thicker so that it's a strong muscle that pushes the baby down. So it's not really your efforts of, say, the diaphragm pushing down on the baby that are pushing your baby out. That those are often irresistible. The urge to do that is irresistible. And so you do it along with your body, but what's actually pushing your baby out is your uterus. It's actually doing the work. So, um, you know, so understanding maybe where to direct the pushing is okay, but not always necessary. And certainly, directed pushing is not necessary. So, another option that women often hear about is what's called laboring down and this this solves the problem of directed pushing right at 10 centimeters so essentially what laboring down usually means is that you may get to 10 centimeters but you don't automatically start pushing you let your body and your uterus decide when it's time to start pushing and often you won't you may not have pushing contractions right away at ten centimeters. It takes your body a little bit of time to transition over, and your baby is still moving down throughout that process because the contractions are I said that they're retracting the the tissues of your uterus. The myometrium is what's the te- technical term for that uterine layer that's being retracted. And so what retraction means is is it's actually getting, thicker so your uterus stretched out around your baby and when it's retracting it's actually pulling down more tightly across your baby so as your baby moves down there's less room to go back up so babies may go down a little bit and then come back up slightly but they can never go back up they're not just bobbing back and forth like little apples in a bucket Your baby's going down. So even if you're not having a quote-unquote pushing contraction, those contractions that are retracting your uterus are still working, which is what laboring down is doing. And then once your baby reaches a certain point on the perineum, it really starts to trigger those pushing contractions in that second stage. But that may or may not coincide with exactly 10 centimeters or women average around 10 centimeters. It's not necessarily exactly. But Uh, But anyway, so laboring down is just letting that natural physiological process complete until the urge to to push is irresistible. And until the body is really pushing by itself. Some childbirth classes will teach you to really resist the urge to push, don't push. And certainly if it's really early in labor and the cervix isn't completely open and baby's not moved down into the birth canal, you may not want to push right away. But if everything's open and your body is, is feeling like it's pushing down and you're feeling that really strong urge to push, then I would say go ahead and push with your body unless your doctor or midwife really thinks there's something wrong with that. So I think if you're not feeling the urge to push, don't push. But I think if you're feeling the urge to push and everything seems go, than push. So I'm not one of those who will say, oh, don't push, let your body do all the work. Because at a certain point, it does generally become irresistible. You push whether you want to or not. And that's okay, because that's what your body's meant to do. Mother-directed pushing may be another thing that you hear. And it may be used as just a counterpoint to completely care-provider-directed pushing. I like to think that it's when mom is, when you're listening to your body and when you're pushing. And if if you again listen to the, the podcast from last week on the childbirth classes. You heard me say you know well you need to go through childbirth classes. Or you need to study some sort of information to understand what your body does during birthing. But pushing I think is the exception. Because once it starts happening like I've said several times it's irresistible. You're going to understand it. And it may feel overwhelming. Which I think is what I experienced during my first three births. But again, I think that what I experienced was really related to, uh, to position, so we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I really think that mother-directed pushing is you push when it's right for your body, and that I think is the ideal Another term you may have heard in relation to pushing is the fetal ejection reflex, which was not coined by Michelle Odent, who is a wonderful obstetrician who advocates for mothers and babies. It wasn't coined by him, but it was popularized by him. And he describes this as essentially what I experienced with Galen for the first time. Which is when things are ready and things are ready to go and hormone levels are right. Usually when a mom is undisturbed, like I was, because the lights were all down low. It was just Scott and I. We weren't expecting a baby for a while. Uh, So all those hormones were just doing exactly what they were supposed to do. And my body just pushed the baby out. Essentially, Galen was ejected. That's the fetal ejection reflex. And it's very strong in an undisturbed birth. So having said all of that, what is the right way to push? I definitely am not a fan of directed pushing. And I also think that position plays a part. Now, sometimes a woman has a pelvis that may be more challenging or what whatever's going on, there may be emotional issues too. That are going on and a midwife or a seasoned doctor or even a seasoned nurse's wisdom can really help that woman get on the right track or can figure out maybe why baby is not coming down when baby should be coming down so I'm not knocking the wisdom of a professional or an advisor or their experience. I definitely think that's something to look to. And to have on hand if you feel like you need that. Though as always I think that it's okay for families to choose unassisted birth too. But uh, but most families choose to have a care provider there with them. And you should definitely listen to their wisdom. But I also think that it's important to understand. That with the fetal ejection reflex that I just talked about. Uh, that it's, an, it's very natural. And the uterine changes I talked about. It's very natural for your body to do what it needs to do to push your baby out. And your body wants to push your baby out. So look to begin with now during your pregnancy. Look at different positions to push in. I'm a fan of runner's pose. I mentioned I instinctively ended up in that with Galen. And that's actually the same position that I birthed Honor and Corwin in. Um... It was a good position. It, it gives a lot of pelvic mobility and also a lot of stability. You are very stable in that position. Unlike a squat, a full squat, which is a good position to birth a baby in. But unless you have somebody there behind you really holding you up, it can sometimes be hard to sustain. Another way to get around that is to use like a birthing stool which is a stool that's got a cutout so that you can sit on it in a squat. It puts you into a squat, but it provides all the support for you, and then there's a cutout so that your baby can slip out. That's another option that allows you to be in a good supported position, but that's very open. So more upright positions like runner's pose or a squat that's supported in some way. Oh, another way that squats are often supported, and this you're more likely to find at a progressive hospital, is a hospital bed that has a squat bar or um, or they'll sometimes tie a towel to the squat bar and you hang on to that. So again, you're able to support yourself while you're bearing down or while your body's bearing down, whatever the case may be. So the, those are all options for a supported squat. Then standing is another good one. Some moms will birth on their hands and knees too. Those more upright positions are good positions that help facilitate baby moving through the pelvis. And I feel that they also facilitate more physiologic, more normal pushing. And that they help a mama feel more in control usually pushing contractions if you need multiple pushing contractions which is very normal for first time mamas and also can be totally normal for more time mamas uh, my galen and corwin were birth bo- both born in one push honor took two but both of them were smooth gentle births and honor and corwin were actually the same size both at eight pounds 12 ounces so pretty good sized babies So the number of pushes that it takes may vary. That's okay, but those contractions are usually more spaced out. Than the contractions leading up to that point so you really have time to regroup and kind of gather yourself though at that point your hormones beta endorphins especially is the hormone that is it puts you uh, kind of in la la land what they call labor land so you may feel kind of spacey like you're on another planet that's a very typical feeling for later in labor and in between pushing contractions it gives you a chance to gather yourself and just relax and chill out before another one begins so even if you feel like it's long or it's taking a while, what I'm saying is that you're usually given a break. So if you felt like you were kind of out of control with one, you can take a minute to rest and regather yourself, perhaps reconsider positioning and that sort of thing so that you can be ready to work with the next one and to really work with your baby. And I would always encourage you to remember that you're really working with your baby. Your baby is doing a lot inside of you that we don't see during birth We understand some of it Because some of it's just been documented It's, it's called the mechanisms of labor If you were to look in obstetrics or midwifery texts So we understand those cardinal movements That the baby is taking But there's so much else going on hormonally. In fact, uh, you've probably heard that adrenaline is not your friend in labor. And that's only true to a certain extent. Early in labor, adrenaline can halt your labor. But at the end, when that fetal ejection reflex is occurring, beta endorphin levels skyrocket. skyrocket, Oxytocin levels skyrocket. And actually, your uh, adrenaline levels skyrocket. And that's one of the things that really helps that rapid fetal ejection reflex to happen. So all those things are playing in and coming in and when when you're feeling overwhelmed with the pushing stage, there is a lot going on physically, physiologically, baby, but just remember that all of those things are working together for you. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, then again, take that break that you usually get between the pushing contractions and assess what's going on. Say, would a position change help? Or, can you help me change position? Or, can you help me get my foot up? Or, can you help me squat? You know, ask your care provider or whomever is helping you and just really work with it. So, I don't think that there's any one right way to push. I think that definitely directed pushing is a wrong way to push the Valsalva maneuver. But otherwise... Finding what works for you, being aware of what makes you feel most open and just being aware of options and maybe doing some conditioning like I talked about I did before Corwin's birth may be helpful, especially if you're worried about tearing or if you're like me and want to avoid any sort of screaming or anything. Then doing that conditioning and that visualization is good and maybe thinking about, you know, what don't I want and what can I do? To avoid that happening so it may be having a birth partner who's prepared or knowing different positions or negotiating discussing with my doctor beforehand that I do not want to be on my back and stirrups to deliver my baby kind of thing. So there, there is a lot you can do during pregnancy but as for any right way to push I've given you some suggestions and my own experiences common terminology and then some things to think of so I hope that you can take this and consider what you think will help you most with your baby's birth and always remember that if you're pushing it means you're about to meet your sweet baby and that is probably the best thing about it okay If you would like to get my newsletter updates, uh, information about the newest podcast episode or tips on enjoying your pregnancy, having a great natural birth, and bringing up baby, please sign up for my newsletter at TrustBirth101.com. That's TrustBirth101.com. Uh, and I would love to have you on the newsletter list and keep you up to date otherwise if you would leave a rating at iTunes or on Stitcher's directory I would really appreciate it because it helps other families to find the podcast and to benefit from it and with that I will talk to you next week thanks for listening to the birth baby and life podcast with Kristen Burgess for great resources and tons more info visit www.birthbabylife.com visit www.birthbabylife.com.